We're going to look at Exodus chapter 17. We're talking about hope, hope, and uh, we're going to continue that line of, of thinking and that line of teaching today on hope. Exodus chapter 17, verse number 11 says this, And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. And Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset, and as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. You know, as we're thinking about hope, uh, I, I think every one of us wants to know that there's hope. Every one of us wants to know that there is a way through. Every one of us want to know that there's victory ahead in our life. And unless we find the hope that is in Jesus Christ, uh, we will never find that peace of mind that we're looking for. Uh, last night I was reading, and possibly there are those of you that have read it, uh, I was reading uh, something that Jim Carrey had written. Now, Jim Carrey is a very famous actor, uh, made a lot of movies at one time, uh, considered a brilliant comedian, and uh, he was kind of given his summation of what life was all about, and here's a guy that had all the fame and notoriety that anyone could ever hope to achieve, uh, all the money that anyone could hope to earn in their lifetime, and Jim Carrey, whenever he was talking about his life, he really came to the conclusion that there's Life is absolutely nothing. There's, there's no meaning to life. Uh, he said, there's no meaning to my life. He said, I just have an existence. I've just, there, there's thoughts, there's ideas, uh, but there's, there's really nothingness. What he was saying was, there's no hope. And I'll tell you today that without Jesus Christ, there'll be no hope. Without Jesus Christ, uh, knowing not just, not just the reality of, of talking about him. Paul said this. Paul said, if I had hope in this life, even in Christ, and the hope was just in this life, he said, I would be of all men most miserable. Paul said, if, if all we did was get around and talked about hope in Jesus Christ, there would be nothingness. We would have no peace of mind because we would know that all of that is only fleeting and it's only temporary. But hope comes from knowing that in the midst of all the chaos that Jesus brings order into our life. You might be going through hell right now, but we got peace because we know that Christ is the master of the storm and that there is hope today. And that there is, even though we might not see the answer, we know that there is hope today and God is with us and Jesus is with us today. And this is the hope that we're talking about. And if you're here this morning and you, you, your whole life is, is, is in a mess and it's chaos and it's turmoil, I challenge you and encourage you to put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life today. 
We've been talking about this story in Exodus chapter 17 where the, the Israelites came to a dry place. And the place is named Riphidim. And they journeyed for a long time. And when they got there, there was no water. And so the people begin to complain. The people begin to, to, to argue. And they begin to put Moses down for leading them there. And they begin to question God. And so God told, told Moses, he said, I want you to take your rod. And he said, I want you to, to, to strike the rod or, or take the rod and strike the rock. And when you do, water will come out. And water came out and, and water came and quenched the thirst of the people. Now, I want you to understand this about the rod, okay? A lot of times we could look at the rod and we could say, well, it's kind of like a magic wand. Every time Moses would stick it out, uh, something magical would happen. You see, Moses stood before the Egyptian people and he took his rod and he cast it forward and the water was turned into blood. He took his rod and he stuck it out into the air and frogs came and a plague came upon the place. When the Israelites received deliverance from Egyptian bondage, they came to the banks of the Red Sea and he took the rod and he stretched it out over the Red Sea and the waters parted and they crossed through on dry land. And after they had all crossed, crossed through, then he took the rod and he turned around and, and, and waved it out and the water drowned all the Egyptian army. We could look at the rod of Moses and we could say it's like a magic wand. No, it wasn't a magic wand. Here's what the rod was. It represented the power of God. It represented the fact that God was with them. Now, now some of us, we need a reminder that God is with us. We need a reminder that God's power is supreme. And so the rod, even though it was not a magical rod, it showed that God was with the people. And after they received the water, they got attacked by an army of Amalekites. And Moses said, okay. He said, I'm going to take my rod. He said, Joshua, I want you to go out into the valley below. And he said, I am going to go with Aaron and her to the top of the other mountain. And I am going to look down. And he said, as you're fighting below, he said, I'm going to lift my rod up high in the, in, in the air. And as I do, it's going to be a reminder that God is with us. And that God is supreme. It's not a magical wand, but it reminds us about the power of God. It reminds us that God is with us. And so here was Moses. He went to the top of the hill and he stood and he held the rod out high. And as long as he held the rod up high, the army prevailed. But eventually, Moses got tired. Eventually, his arms, after, after they had fought for maybe an hour or two hours, his arms got tired. And he began to lower the staff. And he began to drop the staff. And as he began to drop the staff, the Israelites, I believe that they lost heart. And they didn't see the, the staff raised up high in the air. And they began to doubt whether God was with them or not. I'm going to tell you today that no matter what we're going through, that God is with us, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And sometimes it doesn't seem like we see the rod lifted up high. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we, we 
See the power and the authority of God lifted high. But God is real today. And God is alive today. Someone said, someone, a pastor told me once, he said, you know, people just aren't being saved like they used to be saved. And I said, well, I didn't get in an argument with him. The Lord is not willing that any would perish. I want to tell you this. Where sin abounds, grace, grace doth much more abound. And God is still willing to save lost people. The power of God is still real. But when the people saw Moses' staff, his rod, begin to slip and begin to fall, they began to lose heart. And they eventually started to lose the battle. Even the mightiest of leaders get tired. Even the greatest of leaders get exhausted. And Moses became weary. He lowered his staff. The enemy began to win the battle. Now I want to show you this about this verse and about this story. Aaron and Hur saw a need and they assisted. Okay? Now this is very important. You got to get this today. They saw a need and they did exactly what they needed to do. They didn't wait. You got to get this today. They didn't wait for Moses to ask them. They didn't wait for Moses to say, hey, listen, guys, aren't you going to help me? No. They saw a need and they assisted. They saw that Moses was getting tired and they rallied around their leader. They, they jumped in and they assisted to lift him up. And to help him. Here's what they did. They took a rock for him to sit upon. But Aaron and her, they got a rock for Moses to sit on. And then they stood beside Moses and they held up his arms and his staff. And once again, the Israelites prevailed. And finally, they won the battle. This morning, if you want hope in your life, you've got to align yourself with dependable people. First of all, be saved. First of all, know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. First of all, have a daily walk and relationship with the Lord. Dedicate yourself to the Lord. Get the junk and the garbage out of your life and walk with the Lord and then surround yourself with some dependable people. Okay? If you surround yourself by people that gripe and complain all the time, you are never going to receive the encouragement that you need. We've got to align ourselves with dependable people. We've got to select people. As a pastor, as leaders of this church, we've got to select people to serve in ministry that know how to, how to assist leadership. A lot of folks have got a million ideas, okay? They say, Pastor, I've got a new idea for you. Pastor, I've got a new ministry that I want you to start. No, listen, we're not, God's not looking for ideas. God is looking for some Aaron, some people that have an Aaron and her spirit that's willing to lift up, that's willing to encourage, that's willing to help so, so the battle can be won, that's willing to help so that the standard can be raised high and that other people can see and be encouraged as they see people working together. We've got to align ourselves with dependable people. There, there's folks, they got a million ideas, but they're unwilling to assist their leaders. We've got to select people that will encourage leadership. I was at a conference just a couple weeks ago. 
down at uh, Andy Stanley's church. He pastors North Point Church in Atlanta. His father, some of you might know his father is Charles Stanley, you know, and Charles Stanley was there and he spoke one of the sessions. And Charles Stanley said, when I first, when we first got voted into our church there in Atlanta, now get this, okay? He said, I had 60 deacons. Can you imagine 60 deacons? Dennis, can you imagine 60 deacons in a church? He said, I had 60 deacons in the church and 40 of them were against me. <laughs> I think he got voted in by 51% to 49% of the people were against him. You know, that's an uphill battle. We've got to select people. You see, we've got to select leadership that's going to encourage. We've got to select people that's going to come and join around about us and not grumble and not complain and find fault in leadership, all right? Everyone today, I find this, okay, and this is very annoying. There's a lot of people today, and they're bashing leadership, okay? There's a lot of people today, and they're, they're bashing. They quit this church, and they go join somewhere else, and they go bash the last church they went to. You know what I find in the Word of God? I find David was being threatened. His life was being threatened by King Saul. Dennis, he never made an accusation against Saul. He never said, he never got on Facebook and never said, that last pastor was a bum. He was no good. That last pastor was out to get me. No. He said he knew that Saul, the anointing, had been on Saul's life. He knew it was not his place to grumble and complain against leadership. He knew that in God's time that God would bring him down. But no, he respected leadership. And I want to encourage you, okay, to learn. I'm not going to be around forever. I don't know if you realize that or not. I'm just passing through, okay? And there'll come a time in your life, and I, and I hope it's a long time. I hope it's 30 years, okay? But one of these days, someone else will be your pastor, okay? And I want you to learn to have respect for leadership. I want you, I, I want you to get that. You, you'll say, I sat in a sermon, or I sat and heard a message by Pastor Bob Kelly in October of 2019, and he taught me to respect leadership. Don't complain and grumble and gripe about leadership. But if there's a great problem in the church, we don't respect leadership. In fact, in the church today, and this is kind of politically, would be politically incorrect for me to say, we got so many people that's got an unteachable spirit today. And just like I know as much as the pastor, we, we got people that's got this kind of an attitude. I've heard, I had a guy tell me one, I've heard every sermon there is to preach, why do I need to go to church? That's total disregard and disrespect for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's total disrespect and disregard for leadership. And I had no intention of saying all that. We've got to align ourselves with people that know how to encourage. Because the doubters, the complainers, the troublemakers will never pick you up. You say, I don't have any hope in my life. Maybe the problem is you're hanging around with too many hopeless people. You say, I have no, much, no faith in my life. Maybe the reason is you're, you're, you're hanging around with faithless people. I'm having a hard time believing in God. That's because you're hanging around with too many unbelievers today. 
Because the doubters and the complainers and the troublemakers will never pick you up. And here's what they'll do. They'll drag your faith down to their level. You got to watch them because when you get in the middle of the battle, they might even kill you. <laughs> they might take an opportunity and stick a knife in your back in the middle of the battle. We got to be careful today because the fearful and the faithless and the uncommitted would never have held up Moses hands and I'll say this that Moses would have never taken the and I, I talked about this a little bit last week Moses would have never taken the fearless or the fearful and the faithless to the top of the mountain with him in the first place he took Aaron and her he took people that were they were secure and they were mature in their faith fearful people run at the first sign of conflict or controversy and hopelessness and fearfulness and bitterness and grumbling. They're like a cancer that spreads. So we got to be careful of who we align ourselves with. Also get this, all right? And I want to make this as positive as possible. Don't let people that you think you can trust extort from you. Because sometimes we, we let people get close to us and they're stealing all of our joy because they're always talking about all the problems and they're dragging us down and they're talking about how bad things are. And they're talking about how discouraged they are. They're, they're, they're extorting our happiness. They're extorting our peace of mind. They're extorting our courage. They're telling you you can't. They're telling you God can't. You say, well, you believe God can do it. You believe God can heal you. Well, I prayed and he didn't heal me. We gotta be careful of what we allow to infiltrate our mind because some people that we think we, we can trust will extort from us. They'll extort your hope. They'll extort your vi victory today. We've got to, here's what we must do we must align ourselves with believers, people that believe God. We've gotta align ourselves with faithful people, with hopeless people. With fearless people. We gotta align ourselves with people who know how to pray. We got we gotta align ourselves with people that know and they've been reading the word of God. They've been spending time alone with God. They've been talking to God. You say, Pastor Bob, I'm having a problem. I, I don't have any hope in my life. Well, who in the world are you hanging around with? I got no faith in my life. Who in the world are you talking to? Who in the world is extorting your faith? Who in the world is extorting your joy? Get alone with God. If you want God to revolutionize your life, I've been talking about this for the last two or three years. If you want God to revolutionize your life, the first thing you do in the morning is get your Bible out and start reading. It'll revolutionize your life. All right? And set a goal. I told someone that was having a real struggle with some issues and some addictions, you know, and I told them, you need to read 100 Bible verses a day. Someone said, well, that's too much. I said, well, what in the world, what else are you going to do with the rest of your time? Sit around, scroll through Facebook, all right? If, if we take just a, a brief amount of time, and the first thing we do is get into the Word of God, the first thing is not getting on Facebook. The first thing is not getting on Twitter. The first thing is not getting on Instagram. The first thing is getting the Word of God out and begin to read it. And we're not trying to get through it as fast as we possibly can. You can do it in 20 minutes. I've timed it. Take, I've timed it. In fact, you might even be able to do it in 15 minutes. You can read it in 20 minutes. 
and read 100 Bible verses a day. You say, I don't know if I can do it. Read 30. That's okay. Do 30. All right. But when you read, read it. It'll revolutionize your thinking. It'll revolutionize the, your goals. It'll, re, it'll revolutionize your entertainment choices. It'll change everything. It'll, it'll, it'll build your hope. It'll build your faith today. You'll get rid of the hopelessness in your life. And in the process, God's probably going to deal with you about some garbage and junk that you've been letting give space into your mind and in your life. All right? And it's not the preacher that's preaching it and telling you where you're going to get mad at me, but God is dealing with you, and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about it. We've got to align ourselves with believers, with faithful people, with hopeful people, with fearless people, with people that's in agreement to bring the dreams and the plans of God to pass. That's, that's the great thing about being married to Debbie Kelly, all right, because we're in agreement. <laughs> Several years ago, we was at Solid Rock. Dennis, we were so happy being at Solid Rock. We absolutely love being at Solid Rock. We love teaching at Solid Rock. We love hanging out at Solid Rock. We love, love looking at the beautiful buildings at Solid Rock. They had great pastors, and, and the pastor, Joe and Jodell Skiles, we just loved them, and they were, they'd been our friends before. Before they were our pastors, we hung out with them and called them Joe and Jodell, and then they became our pastors, and they were Pastor Skiles, you know. And so what a great combination. Our kids did, you know, flourish there in that church. We absolutely loved it. And he used to tell Debbie, when I first went on full-time at staff at Solid Rock, I'd tell Debbie, baby, one of these days we're going to be leaving here. <laughs> and Debbie said, Bob, I don't want to talk about it. One of these days, babe, we're going to be leaving here. Debbie said, hon, we don't want to talk about it. And then one day I came home and told, I told her, I said, hey, Deb, I've been praying. God's dealing with me about planting a church in Columbia. And Debbie told me, she said, Bob, I'm feeling the same thing. I knew I was sunk. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble, okay, because we got an agreement. We're in agreement, okay, because we're not, I'll, I'll tell you this, tomorrow morning we're going to get up and we're not going to talk about resigning the church. We're in agreement. You've got to find people that you can get in agreement with. I'm not talking about to do ridiculous things. I'm not talking about to do ungodly things, but get into agreement with someone to bring the dreams and the plans of God to pass. We've got to align with people that are willing to fight the battle, to finish the battle, to win the battle. We've got to align with people that's going to lift us up, not tear us down. You've got to align yourself with someone that's going to build up your faith. Align yourself with those kind of people. This morning, we need some crazy dreamers to work together. We need some crazy dreamers that's going to walk, work in, in faith believing. You see, long before the battle, we need to be strategic, and we need to surround ourselves with people who have faith in God, people whom we can trust. You know what? God, God kind of spoke this into my spirit. While I'm sitting over here, and I'm not a real prophetic type of a guy, uh, I believe in the gifts of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I believe in the gifts of prophecy. But something that God spoke into my spirit a while ago, when I was sitting over here. God said, "Some of your best leaders at Life Rock haven't even showed up yet." Wow, that's powerful. I'm saying, God, I, I wish there was more people here today. God said this, Bob. Some of your best leaders have not even showed up yet. Some of your Aaron and hers have not even showed up yet that's going to help you lift the staff. 
Some of your best. Now, now we got some great ones that are here. You guys are wonderful. You're a blessing. We encourage you to continue to press in. We had a leadership rally a few weeks ago, and we opened it up for anyone in the church that wanted to come. We said, if you want to come and you want to be part of leadership, and Dwayne and Jen, they had just come for the first time that Sunday morning. They came to that meeting because they were so enthused about being part of something. Listen, I believe that every believer is a leader that God has got a calling and a ministry on every one of our lives. If we'll come together and we'll get into agreement. You know, sometimes we're fighting the battle, okay? And uh, during the battle, and here's why we got to be strategic. We've got to surround ourselves with faithful people. we got to surround ourselves with hopeful people because that's before the battle, because when the battle intensified, we've got to be sure that we're surrounded by Bible-believing, God-fearing, hopeful people. When the battle intensified, we've got to be sure that we're surrounded by Christians that are going to hold us up, hold our hands up, rather than tear us down. Because sometimes, even the best leaders get weary. We've got to be strategic. Okay, You see, during the battle, when we first start the battle, when we first came to Columbia, Missouri to plant a church, I can remember when we came here and we did our first service, and Dennis and Nancy was at the first service we had. They came to that service, and I remember a couple weeks later, you know, uh, we had a conference in Los Angeles. The church had been going for two weeks, and so we went out there to Los Angeles. My whole family went out there. We had teen talent out there. We had a conference out there. We went out there, and I thought it was so important that I'd be back in church on that second, third Sunday. I flew all the way back from Los Angeles to preach a 30-minute service and then got on an airplane and went back to Los Angeles. I had so much zeal. I had so much enthusiasm. I didn't want to miss one Sunday. But I can tell you this, that sometimes after five years and 10 years and 15 years, sometimes we get a little bit weary, get a little bit tired sometimes. During the battle, at first, our hope is strong. At, her, at first, Moses could hold up his own hands at first. He said, God, I've got this. The guys are down there. I can see them. They're winning the battle. They're fighting hard. They're motivated, they're charged up, they're ready to go, we're winning the battle, but after an hour or after a year or after two years or after seven years, your arms get tired. You get weary. You get worn down. And here's what we need. We need other people to hold up our hands. We need other people of like faith and like purpose to stand strong in unity with us. I want to encourage you. Once again, let me, let me remind you. You say, well, you're just, you're just saying all this stuff. You're just saying all this stuff because you're our pastor and you're trying to manipulate us. No, listen, I'm saying this because I'm not always going to be your pastor. And while I get the chance, I've got to teach you and I've got to teach you well. Okay? Because one of these days I will be gone. All right? We must look at people that have been faithful. Okay? There's some of us, and we, we look at people that's been faithful for about 15 minutes. Man, look how successful they are. They've only been in the ministry for 15 minutes. 
Look what they're doing for God. I don't care how successful someone is in 15 minutes or in one year or two years. How successful, how faithful are they for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years, for 30 years? That is what matters and makes all of the difference in the world. We need to look at people that's been faithful for a long time. And we need to tell ourselves, maybe they could use my encouragement rather than my grumbling and complaining. Maybe they could use me to help support them. Maybe they could use my strength. Maybe they could use my gift. A lot of us are sitting, we're waiting for the pastor. We're waiting for Pastor Bob and Pastor Debbie to ask us, okay? But rather we look and see what can I do, all right? There's a guy that's here right now. He's been a friend of mine for a long time, Michael Ordway. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy, very highly educated individual, a great, great sense of humor, a dry sense of humor, uh, has, has really been part of us for a long time. And, and we say took a little break for a while, came back a few months ago, several months ago, came back, came back. And when he got here, it's like, what can I do? And I didn't tell him to do anything. He just got, in, got involved and started doing stuff. Got, those are the kind of people that, an Aaron and a her, that know how to get in, that know how to assist. What needs to be done? Maybe they could use my support. Maybe they could use my faith. Maybe I can help them hold up their hands to stay strong in the faith so we can win the battle that's set before, before us. Maybe they could use my prayers. Maybe they could use my kindness. Maybe they could use my cooperation today. You see, many times we just think about ourselves. We think about our own problems. We think about our own desires. We think about our own needs. We think about what's going to benefit us. But our leaders need our help in holding up their hands because there's a battle that's raging before us today. There's a battle. This, this, my friend, this is no time to quit. This is no time to give up. This is no time to run away, but this is the time that we pull together. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you've already done. See, everyone needs to hear someone tell them everything is going to be all right. I, 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 there's someone here I want to tell that to. Everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. If you will look to the Lord, if you will put your hope in him, if you will press in and draw close unto God, and the ball is in our court. He said, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He told us that in the book of James. The ball is on our court. If you will press in and begin to talk to God, if you'll press in and begin to devote yourself with God, everyone needs someone to say everything is going to be all right. Everyone needs to hear these words, the battle is not mine, the battle is the Lord's. I remind myself of that fact continuously. Life Rock Church is not owned by Bob and Debbie Kelly. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. A lot of times we're going through, we're looking at our life. Why is my life such a wreck? Well, listen, maybe because we haven't dedicated it to the Lord. It's the Lord that our strength comes from. Our hope comes from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and kindness. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm getting ready to close. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I was reading this verse yesterday, and something jumped out to me. Hebrews 10.24. Let me read it again. Listen carefully. Hebrews 10.25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Did you realize that when you come to church, it's an encouragement to other people? We encourage other people when we come to the house of God. God is glorified by a full house much more than an empty house. We glorify the Lord. We, we encourage one another. We lift up one another. We fellowship, iron sharpens iron. We, we help each other. We lift up one another today, and this is what God wants us to do. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 12, when we get together, I want want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by you. Hope and faith is circular. You know, it's circular. We give it to other people, and then other people encourage us. We build up other people, and then other people build up us. We tell other people the battle is the Lord's, and then other people tell us the battle is the Lord's. Faith and hope is circular today. Faith and hope is circular. We help other people. We bless other people. We encourage other people. And this is the will of God. As I close, Riffidim was a place of many struggles. But it was always a, also a place of breakthrough and victory. You know, I was thinking about life is like a lot like Riffidim. Riffidim was the place where the people went and it was dry. There was no water. They traveled for a long time. The people said, God, why in the world did you bring us to this place? Moses, why in the world did you bring us to this place? God brought him to that place to show his glory. And God told Moses, he said, take that rod and strike that rock. And when he did, water gushed forth. And the thirst of the people was quenched. At Riphidim, there was a lot of struggles. Because then after the water came out of the rock, the Amalekites came. I'm, I'm cleaning the floor here with this bottle of water. <laughs> after service, I'm going to get a mop and I'm going to clean it up. But after they get, got water, the enemy came to fight against them. At Riphidim, there was a lot of struggles. At Riffidim, there was a lot of problems. Life is a lot like Riffidim. Life is full of struggles, and yet it's full of victory, and it's full of breakthrough, and it's full of provision. And I want to encourage you today, don't be hopeless. Because hopeless people only look at the struggles. Hopeless people only look at the problems. Hopeless people always look at the defeat. Hopeless people are always expecting the defeat. Hopeless people, when they talk about the future, they don't remember the best of times. They remember the worst of times. Listen, I want to be the hopeful. When I think about the past, when I think about my upbringing, when I think about previous leaders and pastors that have led me, I don't want to talk about the worst of times. I want to talk about the best of times. I want to talk about what I learned. I want to talk about what was poured into my heart and what was poured into my spirit. I want to be one of the hopeful. I don't want to talk about and glorify and glamorize the struggle. I want to glorify and glamorize the victory and the breakthrough today. 
because that is the will of God. Praise God. I want to be one of the hopeful today. I want to be one of the hopeful. Would you stand with us today? Stand with us today and would somebody praise the Lord? Come on, somebody praise his name. Somebody praise the Lord in this place. Somebody just honor the Lord today. Exalt his name. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of thanks. He's worthy of glory. Come on. I don't know what's happening in, in your life today, but the battle is the Lord's. No matter what the devil is throwing at you today, the battle is the Lord's. And through God, through the power of the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the cross, through the power of the blood, through the power of the resurrection, everything is going to be all right. Praise God. God is going to bless you. Let God help you. Let God touch you today. Come on. Somebody press in. Somebody talk to God today. Come on. Someone today, you're going to get your breakthrough this morning. In this place, you're going to get your breakthrough. God is here today. And he's going to give you the touch that you need in your life this morning. Come on. Somebody praise his name. Somebody praise his name in this place. Amen. Thank you, God, today. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I want you to just put your hand on your neighbor, on your neighbor's shoulder and pray, pray for your neighbor because your neighbor, God, needs a breakthrough. That person standing next to you today needs hope. The person standing next to you has been going through rifida. They've been going through struggles. It seems like they've been in a dry place in their life, and they need breakthrough. They need God to show up in their life. There's someone here today, and they're rifida. It seems like the enemy is attacking them. The enemy is attacking their body, their mind, their soul, their marriage, their children. Someone's at rifida today. And God is getting ready to show up in this place today. Come on, someone pray one for another today. Pray one for another and let God touch you. Let God bless you today in this place. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just do your work in this place today. And we give you praise. And we give you glory, God. And we give you honor right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning and you need prayer, I want you to come. I want to ask some of our prayer team members that they would come and they would stand down here. And if you need prayer today, if you need breakthrough, if you've been at Rifida, going through a struggle, going through a dry place, I want you to come for prayer. If you need to, if you just need to know that God is still on his throne, I want you to come today. If you need salvation in your life, I want you to come this morning. If you need breakthrough or a miracle, I want you to come today and we're gonna. We got folks that'll pray with you. We got folks that'll encourage you today. So if you're here today, I want to challenge you to come this morning and let God bless you and let God touch you. Today.